What's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of Creator Support. On today's episode, we're talking about the YouTube video that broke Mr. Beast's record for the most viewed video in a single day. We also answer a question from a creator about content calendars and whether you should make one. Then we recap some of the biggest trends of the year. All right, if you make it to the deep end, let us know. Do you play video games? You know, I do not play video games anymore. I loved N64. Goldeneye? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great game. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So the other night, I opened my little media console, and I have an Xbox 360 in there, mm. and I have FIFA inside of there. You're telling me this like it's a guilty confession. Very What's guilty. Very guilty. And I, I plugged it all in, played for probably three hours while listening to a podcast. It was like a uh, a very stimulating experience. I'm playing I'm playing FIFA in career mode, listening to a Tim Ferriss episode for three hours. And uh, right after, I had to unplug the Xbox 360 and put it as far away from the TV as possible to be like, I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. But I bring this up because uh, it's been a while since I've played video games. And we just had a new record broken on YouTube by the GTA 6 trailer. Yes, it was leaked first and then rockstar games basically the story goes was forced to release it and within 24 hours of the release it got 90 million views on youtube which beat mr beast record of 59.4 million views for his video every country on earth fights for two hundred fifty thousand dollars." new record on youtube you know what's what's weird when you say that just quickly to think about is when you said mr beast's uh, video had 59 million views at the end of the day because I'm so used to the the numbers on his videos now that feels low to me sure yeah. <laughs> I know that's crazy but it's like yeah when you think about him this year you just think about his videos well over hundreds 100 200 yeah 200 million okay so 90 million views in a single day for the GTA 6 trailer now I think the leak who knows a leak is a great marketing uh tool you know when a leak happens especially a leak happening um around a release like this but this is such a cultural moment like the two retweets that rockstar games did were lebron james saying gta 6 looks insane and that has 24 million impressions on twitter and then mr beast saying the gta 6 trailer just broke our record for most views on youtube in 24 hours so like it's a it's gaming is something that brings culture together and i thought about it a lot in the context of even what i was doing um playing fifa the other night i think we can't overlook how incredibly powerful interactive storytelling is and gta to me is like the the absolute height of interactive storytelling i think part of it has to do with how packed the trailer was with memes from moments in specifically like Florida culture. Like it tapped into a specific mm-hmm. state, yeah, which is in itself occasionally a meme, like in the mm-hmm. US, yep. in media. And there were all of these moments represented in the trailer, like alligators walking into a convenience store, uh, certain people even yeah. just from news that were represented in the trailer. Yeah, so it, it represents culture. You can interact with it. And, and one of the most interesting things is that everyone can have 
their own unique experience and collective experience doing the same thing, which is pretty, which is, you really think about and zoom out about entertainment. So um, GTA 5 was the best-selling video game ever, sold 160 million copies. From what I'm reading here, it, it made over $8 billion. $8 billion from in-app purchases and, you know, purchases of the game. Like that is, you know, th- that th- that's a form of the entertainment industry and um, it bleeds into the creator economy as well because there will now be people streaming themselves playing GTA, you know, and there will be people when, when this really actually comes out, which is actually not until 2025. Yeah. Which is crazy. Which is interesting in yeah. itself because the stock of the publisher actually went down because people realized that earnings from this game would not affect mm. the stock until 2025. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. That is um, interesting. Yeah. Something to talk about when it comes to gaming is the price point, you know, we were speaking the other day about music and how musicians actually make like fractions of a cent on a stream. Yeah. Back when it was a CD, they would make, you know, everyone had to purchase for a certain amount of money, whether it was, you know, $12 or 15 or even on iTunes, like 99 cents. Games come out and they're expensive. Every single person has to spend a significant amount of money. And when you have 160 million people willing to spend, that's going to add up. Yeah, if we if we think about like one of my thoughts around the the creator economy and even the term the creator economy, I think it'll all just kind of blend into this concept of the attention economy. You know, like who who is capturing attention? And I think gaming is is such a massive part of the attention economy. Like yeah. if I can if I can actually interact with it, it's going to capture more of my attention than if I'm just watching it. Yeah, it's just a a landscape for storytelling. It's a set of constraints. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Minecraft or Fortnite, it's an interactive experience for yourself, but it's also, as we've seen, it translates into video and streams that people want to watch and consume because it's its own platform for stories. I think as we look at, at you know, 2024 and beyond and how creators, like what can creators learn from this concept of how popular gaming is. Um, for me, it's number one is like interactive storytelling, even as simple as what Ryan Trahan did with the Penny series, where if you donated, your name was in it, right? That is, that is a very slight version of interactive story- storytelling. Um, or like, obviously, the, the most obvious one is Ludwig with his subathon, right? When you When you donated, the stream would extend. So you're actually playing a game with the creator uh, and interacting with the content. I think that creates a very sticky audience when you get to uh, engage with it. Yeah, I think it just speaks to human nature. We all have this desire to be seen Mm, and gaming allows for that to happen. Yeah. Easier than some other mediums where, you know, TV, some channels on YouTube, all you can really do is watch and consume. Uh, But meanwhile, a lot of us deep down, I think, have this desire to take part in it. I also think there's a level of collectivism um, to playing a game where you're plugged in online and you're actually, you know, playing with friends or meeting other people. There's a level of community there. Um, 
and I think that is uh, maybe something, who knows, that could play out on YouTube with this new feature of like watch with friends. That new feature kind of interested me. Announced as a YouTube premium feature. Yeah, YouTube premium is like essentially watch with friends, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's... Yeah. I, take I guess like, I feel like it's watching, not novel. Like it's, yeah. You know, we've seen that before. I think maybe more interesting in that announcement was an AI chatbot mm -hmm. that allows you to summarize a video, mm -hmm. which we were playing around with Gemini, which is Google's version of, you know, chat GPT. Yeah. And you can ask it, or we asked it today to summarize our episode with Emma Chamberlain. And in real time, it just, listed out everything we spoke about in a matter of seconds in a very clean blurb now with chat gpt there's like a cutoff date yeah uh i know with gt gpt4 uh it's going to be more powerful and you can get mm -hmm. data that's more recent but fascinating to think about you know watching instead of actually watching a youtube video summarize it summarize yeah, it for yeah. me I don't even know if that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. Again, I think that, that questions the base premise of the internet of like uh, providing search results for people, you know, and, and giving them content in exchange for their search. Fascinating it, how like text was one of the original mediums for entertainment. You know, and, like and things were written again. down and yeah. we could read stories yeah. instead of like sitting around a circle and just telling them. It was like, all right, let's write them down. And then we've come so far from there and right, now we're right. taking these mediums like video and putting them back into text. So just one more thing on this concept of like collectivism and, and learning from, from GTA and, and video games. I do think that appointment viewing creates a moment of collectivism where if you have a specific date and time, uh, Ludwig, again, just to bring him up, he's really good at eventizing things. This event is happening at this time. I think creators even launching their videos at a specific time creates a moment where the community comes together and experiences something at the same time. And I think, um, when you're playing GTA and there's other people online and you're experiencing this moment at the same time as this other person, that I think is going to become increasingly more important to capture attention. Um, so, I, you know, I look at all of this stuff that's happening in entertainment. I do think gaming is a sector that we should look at more. I think everyone should look at more. It is a massive part of the attention economy. Um, and this GTA release like dominated the headlines this week. If you're on Twitter, if you're, if you're in our world, this was a, a major topic of conversation, and it was fascinating to see that. Quick caveat on the the record for most viewed video on YouTube. We're talking non-music videos. We're talking non-music videos, because the actual record is BTS's music video for Butter, which got 108 million views in the first 24 hours. Yeah, you don't mess with BTS. You don't mess with BTS. You don't mess with... Like, it's amazing that music videos are still that big. Do you remember when we sent out a tweet one time and it was subtweeted or it was liked by BTS. Yeah. Either that or it was like yeah, adopted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it we was tweeted about Samsung. BTS. It, it was with Samsung because um, BTS is is uh, uh, also sponsored by Samsung. There was some event that we were doing that they were a part of. They liked it and it just exploded. Yeah, it was, it was out of this world. Um, okay, we are going to get to some questions, but one quick note. Um, I don't know if everyone saw this, but Twitch shut down in South Korea because streaming costs were too expensive. This feels significant to me because South Korea is such a, you know, we're talking about BTS right now. It's like an epicenter of culture uh, and culture that is exported to the U.S. quite a bit. Squid Games, Parasite, 
um, BTS. Like we, th there's a lot of culture that comes from Korea, and the creator culture is often talked about as being a couple of years ahead, right, of U.S. culture. And th this basically means that anyone who was a Twitch streamer there is just like that is the fear that people have that feels unfounded here right now about like YouTube, right? Oh, what if YouTube shuts down? People say that sometimes of like, oh yeah, you should, you know, don't build your, uh, your whole company on on rented land. You know, port your your audience over. It's why we launched a newsletter originally. It's why people launch you know Discord communities or move their audience to other environments they can control. But it's not an actual fear, right? Not of not of mine. Not, not of mine. It's not an actual fear. But amazing that those those Twitch streamers in South Korea did lose their jobs as Twitch streamers. Yeah. It's just a reminder that we actually do not control these platforms and yeah. certain things can happen and shut down because I guess operating expenses were too high in South Korea. So that's wild. It's just, yeah. Just no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just no more Twitch in South Korea. All right. Let's get to some questions. This comes from Tim. Tim, I never know how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to try it though. Kiyuzano. Really? I'm just guessing it's Italian, but I don't know. Okay. Tim Kiyuzano. Um POV. Okay, this is more of a, I guess, like a a, a story <laughs> with a question in it. But POV. So if you're listening, yeah. put yourself put yourself in the perspective here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. POV, you are a 46-year-old corporate schmuck who fell backwards into a bit of creator fame. You know you're sitting on an Ali Abdal chunk of career insights, but you're mostly known for storytelling and a quirky take on a nine-to-five life. You've been doing You've been doing it by yourself, minus podcast help, with no content calendar for almost four years now on top of your job. Commit to a content calendar for a while so there's a specific cadence every week, i.e. Monday, TikTok, Tuesday, YouTube, long form Wednesday, LinkedIn article, or continue to wing it based on your time and 4 a.m. inspiration. Thanks for reading and possibly answering this. Loops back to start like a TikTok loop. P.S. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Thanks for all the value and inspiration. Oh, thanks, Tim. Uh, that's so nice. Wow, that was very uh, fun to read. I'm going to say if it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm. Clearly, it seems to be working, and it doesn't sound like, Tim, you have a problem with currently working so, your job and finding a way to fit it in. I, I think he's talking about a distribution calendar. Sure, yeah. yeah. He's not talking about a, a like a production calendar. But he calendar. also says, continue to wing it based on time and 4 a.m. inspiration. Mm -hmm. If you're coming up with your inspiration at 4 a.m. Sure. Like maybe you could try and find a way to make your idea generation consistent. But sounds like it's just when it hits you, it hits you. Yeah, I think um, my perspective though. So first of all, if people haven't watched Tim's TikToks, they're fantastic. He is a, I, I watch them sometimes because I have a lot of... Um, aspirations to vlog and show my life but the way tim does it is is very cinematic and very um uh, it's just great storytelling so uh love tim stuff but my perspective is is a little bit different um and maybe that's where you and i lie on the, on the spectrum of artist and distributor sure but my perspective is if you're in the business of, of distribution um there is too much uncertainty for your mind to be like, when's my, if the, if the question is, when's my next video coming out? I think it's a, uh, it weighs on your mind. There's too many decisions that could be made. I, I prefer a calendar. 
I prefer a distribution calendar of like every Sunday we do this. I find myself, if I don't have that, then I just won't do it or I'll do it so sporadically that I, I can't even get better at doing it. My fear is that I would have made a commitment, but I have nothing to say. Right. That's, I think, where I come from that perspective of if it seems to be working for you and you're creating based off of when inspiration hits, you know, again, I start with inspiration. It's like if you can find a way to uh, put some process to how you get inspiration, great, because then you can make your videos consistent. Yeah. So you kind of have to start there. If inspiration for an idea is like a prereq for you to make a video. Yeah, but uh, d do you not feel that having the date on the calendar of distribution is the impetus for Many times inspiration? it is. Many right. times it definitely is. Like I think, I think those those constraints and those boxes are what create scenarios. Like even as we are going into content planning for 2024, if it's a blank slate with no calendar, it's a little bit harder to fill, right? Yeah, but we've we've landed on a consistent format. Mm -hmm. We have so many processes in place. Our variables are actually pretty minimal when mm -hmm. it comes to what we do is have a conversation with someone. Yeah. So I think in that respect, definitely put constraints around it but i guess maybe i'm not understanding the question because i think he's isn't that what he's asking because he has a format he has this like daily vlog format is he not asking that question of should he commit to a content calendar i don't think he's daily vlogging but i think that's the question or maybe he's asking okay i'm reading this again commit to a content calendar for a while so that there's specific cadence every week monday tiktok tuesday youtube long form wednesday linkedin article my short answer here is I would commit to a content calendar, but I would do less than that. Yeah. You know, I would just be like, think about everything you do as a show. Rhett and Link said to us, we asked them, how do they remain so consistent? You remember this? Mm -hmm. And they looked at us and they were like, it's a show. Like a show doesn't, doesn't tweet out like, sorry, we didn't make it this week. A show comes out when the show says it's going to come out. Um, and I do think there's a lot of merit to to committing to a content calendar. Now, I think the middle ground is to suggest, can you commit to a content calendar for a month and then be okay with making adjustments to it after that? I think what we didn't take into account is that he's actually asking about a new, potentially a new audience and new formats. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that he's sitting on all of these career insights, oh. an Ali Abdal chunk of career oh. insights. What do I do wow. with those? Oh my God. Tim. Tim. Tim, Tim. This was, uh, the, yeah. Tim. That's fair. You know what? For everyone who just listened. We were just lost in the story, We were Tim. lost in the story of the POV. Okay. Now, he's talking about a new content format. Um, yeah, I would definitely commit to a cadence here. <laughs> yeah, short, short answer. I would be like, but, but here's an idea. Especially if you have, it sounds like, if you're sitting on a chunk, as yeah, you yeah, call yeah. it, of career yeah. insights, you have what you need. So it's just about, it's more so but, about distributing. Totally. Uh, than it is coming up with the idea. So well, you've, here's you've got, an idea. you're sitting on the goal. Here's an idea, Tim. Make it a series. Start with a, like the Tim Ferriss show started as a six episode series. That's all he committed to. And he said if after, I think it was six or 12, but after six or 12 episodes, if he was happy and liked it, he would continue. That's what I would do here. I would say, I'm going to make 12 YouTube videos about this. Or if you want to do LinkedIn newsletters, sure. If you want to do TikTok, sure. But say you're going to make 12, 
make those 12 and then see if you want to continue committing to it. And if time is an issue for you, my feedback would be start with the LinkedIn article because text is the simplest way to get your idea out into the world. And it's almost like you're writing an outline for what the TikTok would be. Right. No matter what, you have to write the text. So So start with the LinkedIn article, then maybe move to TikTok because it's a lower barrier to entry there with short form video. And then if the ideas are really resonating, you're really committed, take to YouTube. All right. This question comes from Ina on Discord. Ina says, I'm a creator in the film and TV show commentary niche, more specifically in anime. Okay, the the short version of this question is, is weekly content still the YouTube meta? It's a... uh, it's a similar question around distribution cadence. And I think it's an interesting question to to ask around <clears throat> how much does it matter on YouTube if you're publishing every single week? You know, there was a time where I think consistency was extremely valued on the platform. And that time was when we saw the rise of daily vlogging. I'll speak from a data perspective. If you look at our analytics, yeah. when we upload consistently every Monday for three mm-hmm. or four weeks in a row, it lifts the entire ship. Our right. back catalog starts seeing viewership, our subscribers go up, our watch time, our right. AVD, everything. So, you know, from that, I would say, you know, for us specifically, it helps. Yeah. Like if I could snap my fingers and have us be every Monday next year, I would have that happen. Right. I think... Um I think it matter it, it, like the value proposition of your videos matter. I think you know with a with a talk show like ours, having the cadence be regular helps you build a routine around it. But I will also say that uh, most of our episodes, the majority of their viewership, come months after we put them out. Mm-hmm. Right. So I also think there's something there to if your value proposition is not consistency, like routine for a viewer, then putting out a video that is an evergreen video that can build in your library, in my opinion, is more important than going weekly. Yeah, and and as much as I talk about the data, when it comes to in our office, when it comes to in our studio, if there's a moment when an episode's supposed to come out on Monday and it's Sunday night and something's wrong, we're having technical difficulties or we realize we want to change something, we will push it because we're thinking about the next five and 10 years of this video, not day one. Right, exactly. So, so that's, I, and I think that's actually been more of the, the, the conversation amongst creators is this video needs to live for years. And I don't think that was, the, like when we first started on YouTube, I don't think that was the conversation. It was like, I got to put out a great video every week. Now, again, there's different types of creators. Phil DeFranco, still uploading every single day. His videos are out of date 24 hours later. That's pretty wild, mm-hmm. right? Or like the New York Times and podcast, uh, The Daily. It's probably less out of date, but there's already a new one that cannibalized the last one. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you have to think about the whole thing from the vantage point of what is my value proposition to the audience on this? Is it... um you tune in every week and you hang out again, back to what we were talking about, some level of collectivism and connection of, okay, everyone comes on the same day to watch this thing and gather on the same day because this experience is happening. Or is it this person can find this video five years down the line and it's still fun and interesting. 
So my short answer is I do not think weekly uploads is the meta on YouTube right now. Like I don't think it's something that everyone is optimizing for. It's by no means required. No. All right. Now, question from Siddhant. He says, given how videos autoplay so quickly now on the YouTube homepage, what have you learned about optimizing for the first five seconds of the video? What are you doing in that first five seconds to boost CTR given the thumbnail doesn't play a role as important of a role anymore? Wow. Interesting question. And I have noticed this as a viewer of YouTube. So I was watching this video. I, I've gotten really into these sports videos that are like um, NFL plays that get increasingly crazier throughout the video. That's That's not a version of the title, but I saw one yesterday that was great. It was like, NFL, uh, NFL in quotes, I can't believe that happened moments that get increasingly crazier. Sure. So I hovered over it to be like, what is a version of this? And I hovered over and it auto played, um, this crazy play. And I was like, okay. And I clicked in and watched that. Um, I think for our videos, our intros have been really dialed from the perspective of, you know, we have a thumbnail with a, a creator and a mic. You The video starts auto-playing. You see, yep, that is Emma Chamberlain at that exact mic. Then the other thing that I think really helps with ours auto-play right now is that there's text on screen because audio does not play in an auto-play. So text on screen really helps actually tell you the story in that first five seconds of like, oh, this is an interview. Oh, there's some level of exclusive access. Oh, this is something I want to watch. Um, we've talked about this before on the show, but I think like the autoplay is a confirmation that this is the video you want to watch. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out ways to confirm that to the viewer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what you want to do in the first few seconds, regardless of whether someone found it via autoplay. You want to confirm to them that this is exactly the video you thought it was because of the title and the thumbnail. You're in the right place. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, um, you know, the, uh, uh, you, you imagine a video that's called like, I cold plunged every day and you hover over the autoplay and it's like starts with someone in their living room. It might not be as interesting as if that starts with him originally like going into the cold plunge, right? Mm -hmm. Just as an example, it's kind of like, your title, your thumbnail, and your first five seconds have to interplay together really well. They don't have to be the exact same thing. They just have to play um, with each other. Question for yeah. you. Yeah. You have a cold plunge. Yeah. How often are you plunging? Right now, not as often because um, I ran out of my like chlorine substance type thing. It's not chlorine, but the thing that keeps it clean. So in a normal week? In a normal week, three times. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Three times. For two minutes. I'm happy I did not get a cold plunge. You don't think you would? I do realized I, I, in, in the shower this morning as I put on the cold water, I would not do it that often. <laughs> so I'm happy with that decision that I made. Yeah. It's... Yeah. But I, I'm not, it's not out of the question that at one point I will get a cold plunge. I just think right now in my life, I thought I was going to be a plunger. Mm. This morning I realized I'm not ready. I am not ready for that pain. But I'm glad that you actually You can it. come over and try mine. I think I will. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay, great. Uh, should we talk about some trends? Let's talk about trends. So a lot of different trends reports were released. Obviously, it's the end of the year. It's hot time for it's, trends. It's a hot time for trends. So we had the YouTube uh, team release trends. We had Instagram release trends. 
um, we put some trends. We put together some trends together. Yeah. In Wednesday's issue of the Published Press, yep, our newsletter. So let's just go down the list here. The first one: fourteen percent of U.S. adults got their news from TikTok in 2023, an increase from just three percent in 2020. Fourteen percent. That's significant. You know, I've been I turned to TikTok for my how tos now, which is actually a pretty big deal because when we first started on YouTube, how to was was those are two of the most searched words on mm-hmm. YouTube. They probably still are, but news I haven't really turned to TikTok for news. I still turn to Twitter for news, but that's that's surprising that that's starting to increase like that. Hmm. Like to to be a credible source. Yeah, I now, know. I, I mean. Also, like the the question for me is always when I see these, like, what survey is this? Yeah, that could be said for any of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, the next one. The top three fashion trends in 2024. This is from Instagram. Modest dressing. That's a check for me. I dress pretty modestly. Thrifting. I've done some of that this year. And purchasing repeatable, sustainable outfits. That one feels like it's an attack. no, that one feels like it was a trending topic this week. I mean, this uh, this year. Purchasing repeatable, sustainable outfits? Yeah, I feel like I heard a lot about that. I feel like you and I are often guilty of that. What? You got a new yeah. uh, shacket yes. from, can I say where it's from? No. Why? Guess. Audience, guess. Audience, right guess yeah. where Samir's new shacket is okay. from. And now carry on. I wish I could say it, but I can't. You can't, but guess. Ah, well, you wore it three days in a row. Yeah, it's repeatable and sustainable. I know. I wore our published press shirt that's coming out soon. Yeah. Four days in a row. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I believe in that trend. That one exists. 52% of video creators in one survey said that they were using AI in their creative process by fall of 2023. That makes sense to me. I mean, we're using it. Yeah. I, I don't know that anyone, you know, like... I, I feel like everyone is probably using it. Um, there's, it's probably higher than that. Yeah, we're using it 100% of the time. And then YouTube released their trends. Uh, McDonald's viral dessert. The Grimace Shake was the top trending topic on YouTube in 2023. What? <laughs> Alongside Barbie, artificial intelligence, and the Skibbity Toilet. That's right, man. Okay. Skibbity toilet. <laughs> it was a weird year. <laughs> strange year. It was a strange year on YouTube. 2023 was really trying yeah. to figure itself out. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. For all of you who are listening right now, uh, which is all of you, it's 100% of you, <laughs> but I, uh, we did our Spotify podcaster wrapped, and I just want to give a huge shout out to the people who um, we were their like, top 10 in their top 10 podcasts listened to of the year. Uh, it's almost 40,000 people um, wow. that we're in your top podcast of the year. That, that to me feels like really special. Thank you guys so much for listening this year. Uh, it has felt like a really special year of getting to do these big interviews and creator support. Um, and for all you new people who are here, 75% of the listenership on this podcast discovered us this year. That's crazy. That's crazy. I feel like we've been at it for a while. I know, but the audience is growing. Amazing. Which is really, really cool. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Um, and uh, we want to hear your voice about what you want to hear next year on the pod. 
you know, we are currently doing content planning for next year. Uh, I would love to hear guests you want to hear, topics you want to hear, special episodes you want to hear. Um, let us know. Uh, you can tweet at us. You can email us. You can um, pop it in Discord into our suggestions. But just let us know. Like it, it's been really cool this year uh, to to feel this connection with this community, and then to to see the data from this Spotify Raft was really really special. Of course, next year we're going to speak with a ton of creators. I also want to ask about experts. If there's yeah. an expert that may not be a big time creator, but someone who you just think has a lot of value to add, make sure to include those as well. Yeah. All right. If you have a question, uh, you can put that in Discord. You can tweet it at us. We will answer it next week on another episode of Creator Support. All right. See ya.